0: This is the last chapter of Heaven on Earth by Thomas Brooks, um, a Puritan work. Uh, it's a book on Christian assurance, which has been quite a blessing to us so far. This chapter is entitled Answers to Several Questions about Assurance. Nine methods whereby assurance may be strengthened and maintained. One, the first question, but methinks I hear some precious souls saying sirs. We have, after much praying, weeping and waiting, gained this pearl of price, assurance. But how how shall we do to strengthen it? How shall we do to keep it? Satan will labour to weaken our assurance and to rob us of this jewel that is more worth than a world. What means must we use to strengthen our assurance and to secure it? Now to this question I shall give these following answers. First, if you would have your assurance strengthened and maintained... Then keep close to soul-strengthening ways, be serious and sincere, be diligent and constant in the use of those means and ways wherein you first gained assurance as prayer, reading and hearing of the word, breaking of bread and the communion of saints. The conscientious and warm-hearted use of holy and heavenly means is blessed, not only with the preservation of assurance, but likewise with an addition and increase of it. The ways of God and his goings in the sanctuary wrought wonders upon thee when thou wast dead. How much more will they work upon thee and for thee now thou art by grace made alive. He that will not apply himself to God's strengthening methods will quickly find his assurance weakened if not wholly decayed. I'll just read that last sentence again because of the sirens. He that will not apply himself to God's strengthening methods will quickly find his assurance weakened if not wholly decayed. He that thinks himself too good for ordinances will quickly grow weak in his assurance. The choicest prophets and highest apostles, if I may so speak, that had attained to the fullest assurance, kept close to the ways and precious institutions of Christ. Verily, those that pretend to live above ordinances, and yet live below them, never knew by experience what a mercy it was to have a well-grounded assurance, or else they have lost that blessed assurance that once they had. Secondly, if you would strengthen and maintain your assurance, then dwell much upon your spiritual and eternal privileges, that is, your adoption, justification, reconciliation, and so on. 1 Peter 2 verse 9. This you shall find by experience will mightily tend to the strengthening and maintaining of your assurance. He that neglects this rule will quickly find his sun to set in a cloud. His heart to be turned into mourning, and his organ into the voice of them that weep. Job thirty verse thirty-one. Thirdly, if you would strengthen and maintain your assurance, then see to it that your hearts run more out to Christ than to assurance, to the sun than to the beams, to the fountain than to the stream, to the root than to the branch, to the cause than to the effect. Song of Solomon 113 <clears throat> Assurance is sweet, but Christ is more sweet. Assurance is lovely, but Christ is altogether lovely. Song of Solomon 5 verse 16. Assurance is precious, but Christ is most precious. Proverbs 3 verse 15. Though assurance be a flower that yields much comfort and delight, yet it is but a flower. Though assurance be a precious box, yet it is but a box. Though assurance be a ring of gold, yet it is but a ring of gold. And what is the flower to the root? What is the box to the ointment? What is the ring to the pearl? No more is assurance as compared with Christ. Therefore let the eye eye and heart first, most, and last be fixed upon Christ. Then will assurance bed and board with thee. Otherwise thou wilt quickly find thy summer to be turned into winter. Fourthly, if you would strengthen and maintain your assurance, then see to it that your hearts are more taken up with Christ than with your graces. Though grace be a glorious creature, yet it is but a creature. Therefore let grace have your eye, but be sure that Christ has your heart. Christ must have your heart. Christ will not allow your very graces to be co-rivals with him. He that minds his graces more than Christ, or that sets his graces upon the throne with Christ, will quickly find what it is to lose the face and favour of Christ. Your graces are but Christ's servants and handmaids, You may look upon them, but you must not make a match with them. It is a reproach to Christ that those who have married the master should at the same time match with the servant. The queen may look upon her glittering courtiers, but she must live upon the king. The wife may take pleasure in her lovely babes, but she must live upon her husband and be most observant of her husband. So gracious souls may look upon their graces, but they must live upon King Jesus.' They must take pleasure in their graces, but they must live upon Christ, and be most observant of Christ. This is the way to keep Christ and assurance, and he that walks contrary to this rule will soon find the loss of both. Christ will be Alexander or Nemo, that is, he will be all in all, or he will be nothing at all. Though his coat was once divided, yet he will never suffer his crown to be divided, John 19, verse 23. Isaiah 42, verse 8. Fifthly, if you would have your assurance strengthened and maintained, then labour to use it for the strengthening of your soul against temptations, to the fencing of your soul against corruptions, to the raising of your resolutions, to the inflaming of your affections, to the bettering of your Christian walk. Assurance is a pearl of price. He that will keep it must make good use of it. The ready way to maintain our natural strength and to increase it is to use it well. Assurance is one of the choicest and chiefest talents that ever God entrusted man with, and he that doth not put it to good use and employ it will quickly lose it. God will not suffer so golden a talent to go together rust matthew twenty five twenty eight win gold and wear gold, make use of gold and keep gold. win assurance and wear assurance. make use of assurance and keep assurance. Dionysius the elder, being informed of one that had hidden great store of money, commanded him upon pain of death to bring it to him, which he did, but not all. But With the remainder, he went and dwelt in another country, where he bought an inheritance and fell upon some employment, which, when Dionysius heard, he sent him his money again, which he had taken from him, saying, Now thou knowest how to use riches, take that I had from thee. I shall leave you to make the application." Sixthly, if you would have your assurance strengthened and maintained, then walk humbly with your God. Micah 6, eight. God makes the humble man's heart his house to dwell in. Isaiah 57 verse 15 Thus saith the High and Lofty One that inhabiteth eternity, whose name is Holy. I dwell in the high and holy place with him also that is of a contrite and humble spirit, to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. The highest hearts and the lowest hearts are the habitation wherein the Holy One delights to dwell. Now this phrase, I will dwell with the humble, takes in several things. It includes God's care of the humble. It takes in God's assisting and strengthening of the humble. Three, it takes in God's protection I will dwell with the humble that is I will protect him and secure him Job 22:29 4 it takes in God's sympathizing with the humble 5 it takes in God's applying all suitable good to the humble Isaiah 57:18 and 63, 9. 6 it takes in God's ruling and overruling the heart and the affections of the humble 7 it takes in God's teaching of the humble but 8 and lastly it includes and takes in a clearer, a fuller, and a larger manifestation and communication of God to humble souls. Psalm 10, verses 17 and 25, verse 9. Ah, saith God, I will dwell with the humble, that is, I will more richly, more abundantly, and more gloriously manifest and make known my grace and glory, my goodness and sweetness, my loving kindness and tenderness to humble souls. Now tell me, humble souls, will not God's dwelling thus with you contribute very much? to the strengthening and maintaining of your assurance, James 4.6. But he giveth more grace, wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, or as the Greek word emphatically signifies, he sets himself in battle array against the proud, but giveth grace to the humble. Humility is both a grace and a vessel to receive grace. God pours in grace into humble souls as men pour liquor into an empty vessel. And verily, the more grace you have, the more will your assurance be strengthened and maintained. Well, remember this the humble man's mercies are the sweetest mercies, the greatest mercies, the most growing and thriving mercies, the most blessed and sanctified mercies, and the most lasting and abiding mercies. Therefore, as you would have your assurance strengthened and maintained, walk humbly with your God. I say again, walk humbly. Walk humbly with your God, and you shall wear the crown of assurance to your grave. Seventhly, if you would keep and maintain your assurance, then take heed and watch against those particular sins by which other saints have lost their assurance. Take heed of carnal confidence and security. David lost his assurance by not guarding his heart against those evils. Psalm 30 verses 6 and 7. Again, take heed of a light, careless, and negligent spirit in holy and spiritual things. The spouse in the Song of Solomon lost her assurance and her sweet communion with Christ by her careless spirit. Song of Solomon 5 verses two, three, six 3, and 6 compared. Again, take heed of a stout and unyielding spirit under the afflicting hand of God. This made God hide his face from them. Isaiah 57 verse 17. In a word, take heed of tasting of forbidden fruit, remembering what Adam lost by a taste. Eighthly, if you would maintain and keep your assurance, then frequently and seriously consider the wonderful difficulty of recovering assurance when it is lost. Oh the sighs, the groans, the complaints, the prayers, the tears, the heart rending, and the soul bleeding that the recovery of thy lost assurance will cost. The gaining of assurance at first cost thee dear, but the regaining of it, if thou wouldst, shouldst be so unhappy to, as to lose it, will put thee to more pains and charge. Of the two, it is easier to keep assurance now that thou, thou hast it, than to recover it when thou hast lost it. It is easier to keep the house in repair than when it is fallen to build it up. Ninthly and lastly, consider solemnly the sad and woeful evils and inconveniences that will certainly follow upon the loss of your assurance. I will only touch upon a few. 1. None of the precious things of Christ will be so sweet to thee as formerly they have been. 2. You will neither be so fervent in duty, nor so frequent in duty, nor so abundant in duty, nor so spiritual in duty, nor so lively in duty, nor so cheerful in duty, duty as formerly you have been. 3. Afflictions will sooner sink you. Temptations will sooner overcome you. Oppositions will sooner discourage you for your mercies will be bitter, your life a burden and death, a terror to you, you will be weary of living and yet afraid of dying. Six methods whereby souls which have lost assurance may be kept from fainting. Now the second question is this, suppose souls had not been so careful to keep and maintain their assurance as they should have been, but upon one account or another have left that blessed assurance that once they had, how may such sad souls be supported and kept from fainting, sinking, and languishing under the loss of assurance? To this question I shall give these following answers. First, souls that have lost that sweet assurance that once they had may be supported and kept from fainting and sinking by considering that, though they have lost their assurance, yet they have not lost their sonship. For once sons, always sons. You are sons, though dejected sons. You are sons, though comfortless sons. You are sons, though mourning sons. Romans 815 17 Once children, always children. Once heirs, always heirs. Once beloved, always beloved. Once happy, always happy. 2 Samuel 23, verse 5 Although my house be not so with God, yet he hath made with me an everlasting covenant, ordered in all things and sure for this is all my salvation and all my desire, although he make it not to grow. Well, says David, though neither myself nor my house have been so exact and perfect in our walkings before God as we should, for we have broken our covenants with him and dealt unworthily by him and turned our backs upon him, yet he hath made with me an everlasting covenant. He hath engaged himself to an everlasting covenant, that he will be my father and that I shall be his son. And this is my salvation and the everlasting ground of consolation and support to my soul. The second support is this. Consider that though your comfort, joy and peace doth depend much upon your assurance, yet your eternal happiness and blessedness doth not depend upon your assurance. If it did, you might be happy and miserable in a day, aye, in an hour. Your happiness lies in your union with God, in your communion with God in your interest in God, and not in your seeing and knowing your interest. Your joy and comfort lies in your seeing and knowing your interest in God, but your everlasting happiness lies in your being interested in God. The welfare and happiness of the child lies in the interest that he hath in his father, but the joy and comfort of the child lies in the seeing and his knowing of his interest in the father. Tis so between the Lord and believers, Psalm 144, verse 15. Happy is the people that is in such a case, yea, happy is that people whose God is the Lord. Among the philosophers, there were 280 opinions concerning happiness, some affirming happiness to lie in one thing, some in another. Ah, but the Spirit and Word are taught that happiness lies in our oneness with God, but by the Spirit and Word we are taught that happiness lies in our oneness with God, in our nearness and dearness to God, and in our conformity to God. Mark the scripture pronounces him happy whose hope is in God though he lack assurance. Psalm 146 verse 5. Happy is he that hath the God of Jacob for his help whose hope is in the Lord his God. Happy is and again he is happy that trusteth in the Lord though for the present he lack assurance. Proverbs 16 verse 20. And whoso trusteth in the Lord happy is he. Again he is Happy that feareth the Lord, that hath set up God as the object of his fear, though he lack assurance of the love of God, Proverbs twenty-eight, fourteen. Happy is the man that feareth always, that fears to offend, that fears to disobey, that fears to rebel again, that fears to rebel again, he is happy that believes in Christ, that rests and stays upon Christ, as the scriptures everywhere testify, though he may lack assurance. Happiness lies not in any transient act of the spirit, as assurance is, but in the more permanent and lasting acts of the spirit. The philosopher could say that he was never a happy man that might afterwards become miserable. If a man's eternal happiness did lie in the assurance of his happiness, then might a man be crowned with Xerxes' steersman in the morning and beheaded with him in the evening of the same day. But this is the believer's blessedness, that his condition is always good, though he doth not always see it be good, that his state is always safe, though it not be always comfortable. The third support to keep these those precious souls from fainting and sinking that have lost the sweet assurance that once they had, is to consider that, though their loss be the greatest and saddest loss that could befall them, yet it is a recoverable loss, it is a loss that may be recovered, as the following scriptures do clearly evidence. And uh, I'll read this slowly and of course if you want to you you may pause and um, look up these scriptures. Psalm 71, 20, 21 and 42, 5 verses 7 and 8, Isaiah 54 verses 7 and 8, Micah 7, 18 and 19, Song of Solomon chapter 3 verse 4, Psalm 84 verse 11 and so on. And doth not this age, as well as former ages, furnish us with many instances of this kind? Doubtless many there are among the precious sons and daughters of Zion that have lost this pearl of price, and after waiting, weeping, and wrestling have found it again, therefore be not discouraged. O sighing, losing souls! In the loss of temporals it is a great support to men's spirits that their loss may be made up. And why should it not be so in spirituals also? The fourth support to keep their hearts from sinking and breaking that have lost the sweet assurance that once they had is seriously to consider that your loss is no greater and no sadder than what the noblest and the choicest saints have sustained. As you may see by comparing the following scriptures together. Psalm 30 verses 6, 7 and 51. i oh, sorry, 6 and 7 and Psalm 51 verse 12. Job 23 verses 8 and 9. Isaiah chapter 8 and verse 17. Those who were once the worthies of this world and who are now triumphing in that other world among the princes of glory sometimes lost the sweet assurance and sense of divine love and favour that they usually enjoyed. Therefore, let not your spirits faint and fail. In temporal trials, it is a comfort and a support to have companions with us. And why should it not much more be so in spirituals? Acts 16. The fifth support to bear up their spirits that have lost the sweet assurance that once they had is for them to remember and seriously mind that though they have lost assurance, yet they have not lost the blessed breathings and sweet influences of the Spirit upon them. Witness their love to Christ, their longing after Christ, their fear of offending Christ, their care to please Christ, their high esteem of Christ, and their mourning for the dishonours that they themselves or others are done to Christ by themselves or others. A man may enjoy the warmth, heat, and influence of the sun when he hath lost the sight of the sun. David hath lost his assurance when he hath lost the sight of the sun, and yet he enjoyed the warmth and influences of of it upon his heart, as is evident in Psalm 51. Though thy sun, O Christian, be set in a cloud, yet it will rise again, and in the interim thou hast and dost enjoy the warmth and influences of the sun. Therefore, Sorrow not, mourn not as one without hope. Those warm influences that the Son of Righteousness hath now upon thy heart are infallible evidences that he will shine forth and smile upon thee as in the days of old. Therefore let thy bow still abide in strength. Psalm 42 verses 5, 7, 8 and 11. The sixth support to keep their hearts from fainting and sinking that have lost that sweet assurance that once they had is seriously to consider That it will be but as a day, but as a short day, before the loss of their assurance shall be made up with a more clear, full, perfect and complete enjoyment of God. Ere long, O morning soul, thy sun shall rise and never set. Thy joy and comfort shall be always fresh and green. God shall comfort thee on every side. It shall be night with thee no more. Thou shalt be always in the bosom of God. Isaiah 57 verses 18 to 20. Psalm 71, verses 20 and 21. Thou which hast showed me great and sore troubles, shalt quicken me again, and shalt bring me up again from the depth of the earth. Thou shalt increase my greatness and comfort me on every side. The day is at hand, O perplexed soul, when thou shalt have smiles without frowns, light without darkness, day without night, wine without water, sweet without bitter, and joy without sorrow. The year of Jubilee is at hand. Thou now sowest in tears, thou shalt shortly reap in joy, yea, everlasting joy shall be upon thy head, and sorrow and sighing shall flee away, therefore faint not. Five methods whereby souls which have lost assurance may recover it. The third question is this, what means must souls use to recover assurance when it is lost? It shall give a few short answers, I shall give a few short answers to this question and so draw to a close. First, if thou wouldst recover assurance, then thou must labour diligently to find out that sin, that Achan, that hath robbed thee of thy assurance. Surely it is not for infirmities, but enormities, that God hath put out thy candle, and caused thy sun to set at noon. Surely thou hast been feeding on. I say not tasting of forbidden fruit, that God hath stripped thee of thy robes, and taken the crown from off thy head, and turned thee out of paradise, but this is not all. Therefore, in the second place, weep much, mourn much, over Achan, over those wickednesses that have turned thy day into night, thy rejoicing into sighing. David doth thus in Psalm 51, and God takes him up from his knees and restores to him the joy of his salvation. Though God be displeased with your sins, yet he is well pleased with your tears. The promise is that he will revive the spirit of the contrite, Isaiah fifty-seven fifteen. It is said of Abraham that he turned his face towards the garden of Eden and from his heart lamented his fall. Ah, losing souls, turn your face towards heaven and from your heart's lament your fall, lament your loss. Nothing moves God like penitent tears. No sooner doth Ephraim weep over his sins, but the compassions of God are stirring towards him. And God cannot hold, but he must proclaim to the world that mourning Ephraim, bemoaning Ephraim, is his dear son, his pleasant child, and that he will surely have mercy on him. Whereas the Hebrew hath it, I will have mercy, have mercy on him, or I will abundantly have mercy on him. Jeremiah 31, verses 18 to 20. When our hearts are set to weep over our sins, God will so act in ways of love towards us that it shall not be long night with our souls. God will never suffer them to be dethroned, to, sorry to be drowned, in glory in sorrow, that are set upon drowning their sins in penitential tears. The Jews have a saying that since the destruction of Jerusalem, the door of prayers hath been shut, but the door of tears was never shut. Saith one, God hath by promise engaged himself that those that sow in tears, shall reap in joy. Psalm hundred twenty-six, verse five. The tears of the saints have such a kind of omnipotency in them. The God himself cannot withstand them. 2 Kings 20 verse 5 I have seen thy tears, behold I will heal thee. On the third day thou shalt go up unto the house of the Lord. Thirdly, if you would recover assurance, then sit not down discouraged, but be up and doing. Remember what a pearl, a price thou hast lost, and repent, and do thy first works. Revelation 2 verses 4 and 5 Fall close to the good old work of Believing, meditating, examining, praying, hearing, and mourning, begin life again and set afresh upon those very ways by which, at first, thou didst get assurance. Fall upon family duties. Apply thyself to public ordinances. Be much in secret services. Stir up every gift that is in thee. Stir up every grace that is in thee. Stir up all the life that is in thee, and never leave blowing till thou hast blowed thy little spark into a flame. Never leave turning thy penny till thou hast turned thy penny into a pound pound never leave improving thy might till thy might be turned into a million. God will be found in the use of means, and He will restore our lost mercies in the use of means psalm twenty two verse twenty six But this is not all, therefore, in the fourth place, wait patiently upon the Lord. David did so, and at length the Lord brought him out of a horrible pit or out of a pit of noise and confusion, and set his feet upon a rock, and established his goings, and put a new song of praise into his mouth. Psalm 40 verses 1 to 3. God never have failed, and never will fail the waiting soul, though God loves to try the patience of his children, yet he doth not love to tire out the patience of his children. Therefore he will not contend for ever; neither will he be always wroth, lest the spirits of his people should fail. Isaiah 57 verses 16-19. 16-19. to 19. Assurance is a jewel worth waiting for. It is a pearl that God gives to none but such as have waited long at mercy's door. It is a crown that everyone must win by patient waiting before he can wear it. God doth not think the greatest mercy is too good for waiting souls, though he knows the least mercy is too good for impatient thoughts. The breasts of the promises lie fair and open to waiting souls. Isaiah thirty eighteen and sixty four four and forty nine twenty three, the waiting soul shall have anything of God, but the froward and impatient soul gets nothing from God but frowns and blows and wounds and broken bones. Sad souls would do well to make that text their bosom companion. John fourteen eighteen, I will not leave you comfortless or orphans. I will come to you, and also Hebrews ten verses thirty six and thirty seven. For ye have need of patience, that after ye have done the will of God, ye might receive the promise. For yet a little while, as it is in the Greek, and he that shall come will come, and will not tarry. Fifthly and lastly, if you would recover assurance, then take heed of refusing comforts when God brings them to your door. Take heed of throwing away gospel cordials. This was Asaph's sin. My soul refused to be comforted. God comes and offers love to the soul and the soul refuses it god comes and spreads the promises of consolation before the soul and the soul refuses to look upon them god comes and makes tenders of the riches of grace and the soul refuses to accept them sometimes the hand the man that brings the cordial is not liked and therefore men refuse it well remember this when gold is offered men care not how great or how base he is that offers it Neither should we care by whom the cordials and consolations of the gospel are offered to us, whether they are offered by the hand of Isaiah, a prophet of the royal blood as some think, or by Amos from amongst the herdsmen of Tekoa. If the sweet meats of heaven are set before thee, it is thy wisdom and thy duty to taste of them, and to feed upon them without stumbling at the hand that presents them. Conclusion. I shall now make a few short uses of what hath been said, and so conclude. 1. The first use. You have that assurance. Be thankful for it. It is a jewel worth more than heaven and earth. Therefore be thankful. Assurance is a mercy, at nobly descended it is from above. Man is not born with it in his heart, as he is with the tongue in his mouth. James 1.17 assurance is a peculiar mercy it is a flower of paradise that god sticks only in his children's bosoms assurance is a mercy sweetening mercy it is a mercy that puts the garland upon all our mercies assurance makes every bitter sweet and every sweet more sweet he enjoys little that lacks it he lacks nothing that enjoys it therefore be you thankful that uh, that have and do find the sweetness of it If Philip, king of Macedonia, rejoiced that Alexander, his son, was born in the days of Aristotle, how much more cause have you to rejoice upon whose heads the Lord hath put the crown of assurance, a crown of more worth and weight than all princes' crowns in the world? The second use, if God hath given you assurance, then do not envy the outward felicity and happiness of the men of the world. Psalm 37 verses 17 and 18 and Proverbs 23 verse 17. Indeed, what are mountains of dust to mountains of gold? What are stones of the street to rocks of pearl? What are crowns of thorns to crowns of gold? No more are all the treasures, honours, pleasures and favours of this world to assurance. The envious man hath so many tortures as the envied hath praises. Envy justly kills and torments the envious. The men of the world are real objects of pity, but not of envy." Who envies the prisoner at the bar? Who envies the malefactor that is going to execution? Who envies the dead man that is going to his grave? God hath done more for thee by giving thee assurance than if he had given thee all the world, yea, ten thousand worlds. When the Spanish ambassador boasted that his master was king of such a place and of such a place and of such a place, the French ambassador answered, My master is king of France, king of France, king of France signifying that by, that by that France was of as much worth as all the kingdoms under the power of the king of Spain. Ah, uh, Christians, when the men of the world shall cry out, O oh, their riches, O oh, their honours, O oh, their preferments, you may well cry out, O oh, assurance, 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 there being more real worth and glory in that than is to be found in all the wealth and glory of the world. Therefore, do not envy the outward prosperity and felicity of worldly men. The third use, if God had given you assurance, then give not way to slavish fears. Fear not the scorn and reproaches of men. Fear not that you will suffer want. God will not deny him a crust to whom he hath given a Christ. He will not deny him a crumb upon whom he hath bestowed a crown. He will not deny him lesser mercies upon whom he hath bestowed assurance, which is the prince of mercies. Fear not death, for why shouldst thou fear death that hast assurance of a better life? For the fourth use, if God hath given you a well-grounded assurance of your everlasting happiness and blessedness, then question his love no more. God doth not love to have his love at every turn called in question by those that he hath once assured of his love. He doth expect that as no sin of ours doth make any substantial alteration in his affections to us, so, not even his sharpest dispensations should make any alteration in our thoughts and affections towards him. Psalm 89, verses 30 to 35. Jeremiah 31, verse 3. Ecclesiastes 9, verse 8. The fifth use If God hath given you assurance, then live holily, live angelically. Keep your garments pure and white. Walk with an even step. Be shining lights. Revelation 3, 4. Matthew 5, verse 16. Your happiness here is your holiness, and in heaven your highest happiness will be your perfect holiness. Holiness differs nothing from happiness but in name. Holiness is happiness in the bud, and happiness is holiness at the full. Happiness is nothing but the quintessence of holiness. The more holy any man is, the more the Lord loves him. John 14, verses 21 to 23. Augustine doth excellently observe in his tract on John um one fourteen that God loveth the humanity of Christ more than that of any other man, because he was fuller of grace and truth than any other man. The philosopher could say, Without virtue God is but an empty name. So are all our professions without holiness. Holiness is the very marrow and quintessence of all religion. Holiness is God stamped and printed upon the soul. It is Christ formed in the heart. It is our light, our life, our beauty, our glory, our joy, our crown, our heaven, our all. The holy soul is happy in life and blessed in death and shall be transcendently glorious in the morning of the resurrection when Christ shall say, Lo, here am I and my holy ones who are my joy. Lo, here am I and my holy ones who are my crown and therefore upon the heads of these holy ones will I set an immortal crown. Even so, Amen, Lord Jesus.